Who's there? Impatient cow. Impatient no. cow. <laughs> I, I, I don't understand. <laughs> Your Instagram, is that two underscores? Honestly, I look at it every time, no idea. Okay. Three underscores? Is it three or is that one big one? No, there no. can't be a big one. It's like two or three. I think that's three. I think it's two. Hi, I'm Anna Henderson and welcome to the Valentino podcast. It's nice, isn't it? That's the only reason why we do it. <laughs> Don't actually drink it. No. <laughs> it goes flat by the end. Hello and welcome to the Velocino podcast where the best stories have not yet been written. This week we are joined by Anna Henderson. Neil, do you want to give us the full list of Anna's Palmares? It's by far not the full list, but I can give you like a little glimpse. Recently signed pro cyclist, double national champion, under 23, second in the elite category and bronze medalist at the Worlds in Yorkshire. Indeed. Welcome, Anna. Hello. Thank you for having me. You're very welcome. Did we get your uh, your full list correct there? Yeah. You forgot my team name, Team Sunweb. Oh, Team fine. Sunweb. No, no, it's Team Velocino, right? Team Velocino, yeah. Sorry. Sorry, Sunweb. <laughs> <laughs> She just stole her. <laughs> yeah, uh, we wish. Anyway, well, welcome to the Velocino podcast. And uh, it's been a bit of an eventful year for you, I guess. Yeah, it's been pretty up and down, finding out what kind of rider I am. Had a lot of opportunities on the international scene. And yeah, hopefully I've taken them and shown my good side and shown people what I can do. Fantastic. And going back to um, with your cycling, I know that obviously you ride here in the, locally in the Chilterns. And is that where you kind of learnt to ride, where you first got into your cycling? Yeah, I think mum and dad would take us up pretty much every weekend. I mean, she sat by me, she probably tell me. But yeah, no, we would kind of roam around Ashridge on our bikes. And uh, yeah, that's been our kind of local stomping ground for years and years. And yeah, Wendover Woods as well. And I think the canals, we'd always ride from Tring to Burkham. My brother and I'd be like, oh, done a big one today. (laughs) 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 Along the canals. No, yeah, we'd always go on holiday, use the bikes. And yeah, just I've always spent my life kind of riding a bike, but never competitively and it's always we've always done it as a family but yeah none of us have ever done it competitively and found out pretty late when I was 17 and yeah here we are today and what was it that got you into it because from what I understand you're also like a national skiing champion as well weren't you yeah so I was on the international ski scene for a while did a world juniors and a youth olympics but now I had an injury in 2015 in March it was all a bit traumatic and in that time I found found a bike and ended up somehow in Lavello and yeah it's Lavello's fault that I'm that I'm here but it's fine <laughs> we're, we're having fun and living life to the full Absolutely. So it's been actually, so it's only just a few years you've got into competitive cycling and you've gone from club rides, working yourself up to now part of Team Sunweb in the pro peloton. That is amazing. Yeah, I know it's been a pretty exponential curve through my cycling career, but I think what's paid tribute to that is the amount of experience I've had in sport in general. I mean, I've done every single sport under the sun from hockey, skiing, tennis, netball. I think I've even had golf lessons. Like I've just done everything and loved everything. And uh, I think having that natural athleticism from a young age and having it all through my life has definitely helped me accelerate through the sport as quickly as I have. You can golf? You like? Yeah, Um, I hate golf. 
but, but I did them, <laughs> you know, because it's a sport and I have to be the best at it because I'm overly competitive. <laughs> oh, fantastic. Yeah. So and who have you been competing with then? If you're trying to, like at golf, who are you trying to be the best? Who's who's the person next to you who's suffering because you're beating them? Oh, no, I mean, my mum made me have a few lessons because my mum's always been a bit of a champion golfer. But yeah, I think she needs to get back into it ah. tomorrow she's retired. Do you think, mum? Approval. But no, I mean I did ev- everything and like ev- everything I enjoyed and I've always wanted to be better than my brother, better than everyone around me and yeah, it's even in life, you know, generally like who could get to the car first, like who could get <laughs> it's just, you know, who could eat the most. It's just the constant competitive spirit. But I mean it's built me up to be the person I am today, so yeah. can't complain. Because you often see people like doing like cross training. Like all that, almost doing completely different sports. Are you finding there's some stuff you're kind of slightly better at than the people that have perhaps just focused on cycling? I can't remember what podcast I was listening to, but Katie Marchant was in it. She said that coming from heptathlon to cycling, you should become less of an athlete because you are so trained into just pushing the pedals all the time that you kind of lose that kind of general kind of perception and, you know, had eye coordination. And I think because I had that and I had such awareness of my body and especially in the gym and how I trained, I think, yeah, my muscles just adapted a lot better and that definitely helped. I think it's because cycling is such a low impact sport. Yeah, sure. I, I remember Danny Rowe when she stopped yeah. cycling and she started running then she was injured for the first couple of weeks or something and I thought this is quite interesting to see an athlete on such a high level gets into another sport and is injured because like cycling is such a low impact sport yeah and you don't have the bone density and yeah. I think definitely I mean cyclists from if you especially if you're competing in cycling from a young age I definitely think they should be doing other sports because I mean you definitely see it a lot now kids specialize so so early and I mean I didn't specialize so I was 17 and I've I've done okay, but I think it's a bit bit harsh for kids to have to specialise so early and yeah. make a decision as well. It's quite a big life choice to decide what singular sport yeah. you'd like to do. And I think definitely keeping the variety for kids is really good. So basically with this low impact sport, uh, was this also part of the reason why you chose cycling after you broke your leg and ski? Yeah, I mean, cycling was the only thing I could do where I wasn't in pain. I mean, walking was painful. Well, running was completely awful. You know, I was in the gym all the time trying to stimulate the bone growth and stuff. But basically for a year, I effectively had a broken leg. Um, It just wouldn't heal. And so, yeah, I was just on a bike. I think we went to go and watch a hockey match at Lee Valley right next to the velodrome. We walked back, everyone was freezing cold. We stepped inside the velodrome. I was like, oh, mom, come on, let me have a go at this. Yeah, I think that's how I first first found my love for cycling when I was tramming around the velodrome thinking I was the next Laura Kenny or something. (laughs) (laughs) Turns out I'm not actually very good at the track, but yeah, that was October 2015. So that was six months after the leg break. And yeah, I mean, I still effectively had a broken leg, but... I was still up and willing and mum was like, well, if it breaks again, it wasn't actually fixed in the first place. So uh, it was what I used as my rehab and it was a really effective way of getting around and as well kind of fulfilling the kind of serotonin kick that you need and the kind of adrenaline kick that you need as a as an athlete. So yeah, it was how I ended up on a bike. I remember there was one Instagram post when you basically announced that you made the switch now from skiing to cycling. That must have been very emotional. Yeah, it was a bizarre kind of ending. I was umming and ahhing, umming and ahhing. Simon was like, look, you've got a spot on Team On Form. This is when Team On Form was starting in October 2016. And I I thought, oh, shall I, shan't I? You know, I was pretty convinced that I would, if I worked hard enough, I would have gone to a Winter Olympics. But I thought, 
you know, will I achieve what I want to achieve? You know, everybody wants a gold medal, everybody wants an Olympic medal. And I thought, I'm not sure whether I can do that in skiing just because, you know, British skiing is so, you're always going to be on the back foot. I mean, the guys doing well at the moment are doing incredibly well. But no, I think I'd found the love for cycling and I was a very pressurised point in my life because I'd just started my A-levels and I'd picked things like maths and I was awful at maths and I don't know why I did I think, I, again, <laughs> wanted to, like, beat my brother even though my brother's possibly the cleverest person I know. Um, so, yeah, I just thought, you know, I can train in England. I wasn't baked based part-time in Austria so I could you know just train as and when I wanted and it was all just so much easier and I remember I was in Tesco car park in Aylesbury waiting for mum to pick me up my coach rang me up and said and are you coming back and I was like nope I'm running bike he's like okay it was nice knowing you okay yeah okay bye that was <laughs> it and it was so weird and it took me like probably took me half a year to go over it and oh you know I was sitting you know I'd started doing the cycling season and I was getting into it and then I was like wow I'm really never going back to skiing. And, and then I kind of started to hate it a little bit and I kind of resented skiing a bit. And then now I just kind of can take it or leave it, really. I'm really interested to see how all my friends do and how the guys are still doing on the World, on the World Cup tour. But, yeah, I just have lost a love for it, to be honest. And just yeah. It's like a breakup, basically, right? Yeah, the breakup that oh. yeah, no one really wants. But, yeah, it happened. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, the thing is, I mean, it's, it's uh, skiing's loss and cycling's gain, isn't it? It's obviously pretty tricky, uh, but... It's not just that you're being competitive. You seem to like properly like cycling and kind of like enjoy it. It doesn't just seem to be like a kind of a, I'm just doing this just to be competitive. You seem to do seem to genuinely enjoy it. No, I definitely love the sport. I love how social it is. You know, I've never known a sport where you can train. You can go for five hours and have conversation for five hours. You know, it's, it's pretty cool. And the whole kind of community and it's quite a small community um and everyone knows everyone and yeah you just you meet such great people through cycling but I think really my love for winning is possibly what drives me the most like whether it be me my teammate whoever as long as it's to do with me and we've won that is the feeling that I enjoy most I mean whether I've helped my teammate to win whether I've won the race personally that is the feeling that I crave and that is what I love the most I think I think, I think that's what really drives me on in training and yeah just what drives me on in a race that kind of thought of the win yeah uh, excellent the kind of obsession with winning i think is what what i like <laughs> and do you get that um like support around like with the, obviously different sports you get different sort of teams and support and that kind of stuff so you were saying that you just started at the beginning of your a levels um what did your school do did you kind of like do your a levels part-time or or that kind of stuff with, with your education so that you've got support there for those kind of things so I went to Aylesbury High School in uh, not very far from here and yeah they were kind of quite a hothouse for academic results and I don't think they completely understood I mean they were great I mean I've from the age of from year eight so what's that 12 I was going living part-time in Austria and they gave me all the schoolwork in the world like everything I never missed out on anything and they were really really great but I don't think they quite understood the level that I wanted to be at um but they were nothing but supportive um but no I did did my A-levels full-time and there was no no, no extensions no yeah no uh, sympathy it was you know we're here to support your academic career as well so you know you need to get the results that you want and we know that you can get and if you know you need to balance that with your sport and I think yeah that that kind of taught me a lot and made me grow up pretty quickly I bet, I bet. And now with your degree, I mean, your degree is, is re related to sport as well. Yeah, I do it? sport and exercise science at the University of Birmingham. And uh, yeah, I've, I did two years. So I wasn't wasn't quite good enough at cycling at the age of 
what was I, 18, I'd just started and I thought, I can't not go to university. Like, I'm not I'm not good enough to commit my life to, to cycling yet. And so I kind of went to university and then suddenly I had this acceleration through the sport and I need to complete my final year. And I thought, I spent, I'm in too deep now. <laughs> I mean, I've, I've paid, what, 18 grand to do this. I need to finish it. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I'm, I'm split my final year. So I'm doing that over two years. And uh, luckily, the University of Birmingham are pretty phenomenal with people like me who are like, hey... I've started doing this quite quite big time sport. Can I have some time off? So yeah, I mean they have a lot of hockey players there, and a lot of runners, and a lot of athletes there that they are really really great with. I mean the scholarship scheme are pretty phenomenal with how they work with athletes and how they manage to balance the kind of uni uni athlete life. They like to call it the student athlete life. So yeah, cool. So you've now just become a pro cyclist with Team Sunweb. I have to, I've got so many questions here, but what's it like, like that first year? Is it a bit like, you know, in some club, like other sports, where you basically spend the first year, you're almost expected to clean the boots of the old senior players kind of thing. You kind of, you almost, you don't really get paid. You almost have to do the first season for free and you just basically, you know, and it gets, you know, your costs are covered. Or is it like you're a member of the team, you're part of everything and you're expected to win and, and all those things. How does it, how does it fit when you just go that first season into a pro team? Uh, so I definitely understand my position in the team. I'm definitely coming in at the bottom. Yeah, and I'll definitely be playing a support role this year. I think that's definitely um, what my role will be. But um, the way that somewhere Brace is really aggressive and really attacking and they really work well as a team. And I think that's what really attracted me to the team in the first place. And yeah, I mean, they said, you know, you play the support role and you do a good job and you kind of take opportunities as and when they come. So yeah, I mean, I'll just, I think next year is going to be a big year of learning and finding out what kind of rider I am, how I fit into the kind of race calendar and the team and, you know, finding out how the girls race and how I race with them. I'm excited because it's going to be something completely different. Like, I think it's going to be good to to learn to just, yeah, yeah grow and develop. And, yeah, it's going to be exciting. Something you just said there, you say, find out what kind of rider you are. What kind of rider are you hoping you're going to be? Is there a particular, you know... I love the classics. I think the classics are epic, the kind of carnage, mud, cobbles, you know, everything that's going on. It's so so much going on. It's so exciting. I think that's definitely where my uh, where my strengths lie. I think I'm quite a punchy rider, kind of don't like anything too mountainous. So I don't think the the Giro would, uh, <laughs> something like the Giro would suit me. But no, it's uh, I'm excited to find out, you know, whether I'm a pure sprinter or, you know, I've got a kick at the end to with a re- like reduced bunch. You know, it's, it's going to be interesting to see where, where my strengths lie and what job I can do for the team as well. You know, what what am I good at? And, you know, I'm excited to find out and see what, see what jobs they give me. You said earlier that you come in from the bottom, basically. So you will work for other riders. Is there already like a hierarchy? Like, how does it work? Like, when you get into a team, is there like a manager and he tells you, look, this is a rider and you will get this role to get this specific rider where she wants to be? Or how does it work? So often in women's teams, you kind of have the the real top dog and then, you know, it's how are you going to get them to the finish or how are you going to make them win the race? But I think I think definitely with Sunweb, they have a variety. I mean, looking at how they raced last year, they I mean, they raced for a variety of different people and it was basically who was strongest on the day and who suited that course best. And I think I quite like that because sometimes I think you end up racing quite negatively if you're always kind of sticking to the same game plan. So I think, yeah, it definitely... Kind of, means that you can have a more proactive race plan and you know, change it up a bit. And, you know, I'll definitely be playing a support role and I'm really excited to be because, you know, imagine me going into the second-ranked team in the world being like, hey, guys, <laughs> you're racing with me now. It's just like, it's just complete and I'd be completely deluded if I thought that was going to happen. So. Please do that. <laughs> <laughs> do you find a 
like, out the door. <laughs> just get on the team bus and just say, oi, that's my seat, move down. Yeah. I'm the bus driver, come on. <laughs> I want to drive the bus today. <laughs> no, yeah, it's um, exciting because... Yeah, I really like the way the race and how the team works and I think it's going to be a really good environment to be in. I mean, I went to their HQ last week and I was like, oh, okay, this is quite big. But it's so professional. You know, it's all brand new. They've just had a new HQ built and a huge warehouse. And it's just, yeah, I mean, it's great. And they have a base down in Sittard. Yeah, and they just have so many people and so many staff there to just develop the riders. And I think it's, yeah, a really kind of progressive team and, yeah, a good one for the future, I think. Do you have to move then? to where the headquarter is or will you remain locally? Yeah, so I will be based predominantly in Sittard in South Holland, just kind of near Maastricht, kind of Eindhoven area from February time, I think. I can go home as and when I want, but yeah, I'll be predominantly based there and during the season, so it'd be good. And is there... Oh, there's so many questions coming up. <laughs> yeah, I'm so sorry. It's like an interrogation <laughs> yeah, really like, interview, isn't it? Like, what else like, do you do? How do you do this? Again. Oh, my goodness. What's that? <laughs> exactly. Like, I, I just realized I wanted to ask like five more questions earlier. Um, um, I, I just go back. So basically, all the riders that you ride with, do you know them already? Or have you met them? Or how is this? on Instagram. Yeah. I was like following them now, <laughs> See, all these girls that I've looked up to and, you know, seen them race and thought, wow, that's where I need to be. That's how good I need to be. And yeah, now I'm in the same team as them. I'm like, whoa, this is cool. <laughs> like, so it, without being a nerd, I'm like, this is seriously cool. <laughs> so you have to understand, we have never been on this level and we will never be on this level. <laughs> so how does it work then? So the day you will be announced or you were announced, is it then that all the girls follow you on Instagram like, <laughs> yes, send you, send you friend requests <laughs> or like how, well, will you be like thrown into a WhatsApp group or how, how does it work so I mean I've raced against pretty much all of them and then uh, one of the new guys on the team Alison I stagiered with her team last year so I'd know her and then Pfeiffer Georgie as well she's British rider so yeah you kind of you know of them and you've seen how they race and yeah but I'm excited to meet new people and uh, see how they work and how they race oh, fantastic I, I give you the chance to ask some question like Well, I tell you what, this is, you know you said that you they've got this big warehouse. Yeah. Right. It's like a warehouse full of bikes. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's literally, I think it literally opened in, their HQ opened in May, and it's this huge, huge warehouse. They've, yeah, just, they've got all the kit in there, and it's just, yeah, phenomenal place to be. All the mechanics can work there on the bikes, and there's all the kit, and all the staff are there, um, you know, the nutritionists, physiologists, everybody. So it's, yeah, a really good place. And, uh, sorry, even more questions being fired at you. How good is your new bike? Poor, yeah. <laughs> It's so good. I don't you get on it, I'm like, I'm a weapon. <laughs> I can literally get on my bike and be swinging and just being completely, well, bonked. And I'll just be like, it's okay. I've got a fast bike, so therefore I'm still going fast. And have you uh, actually, with the change of bike, have you knocked any, uh, changed any Strava times or on any of your local routes? Have you knocked anything off? Yeah, so... Wing, I, I'm such a strut. Like I, I don't even go on Strava that much, but I, I know this one for a fact. Going from Wingrave down the kind of like, well, it's false flat, but I was going downhill and I had like a fat tailwind. And on this bike, and I've had a fat tailwind before, but on this bike, I think I went good 15, 20 seconds faster. I was like, yes. Do you know the name? <laughs> Be of the my qualm. Um, <laughs> Wingrave. It's like the Wingrave to like the crossroads at Wing, and then all the way down to Ledburn like that. Okay, to every woman out there. When you beat this segment, 
<laughs> Send us an email and you get a pair of Filocino socks. <laughs> yes, yes, there you go. Most going to go on a moped with a Garmin on being like, yes, free socks. No, you have to prove it was on your bike. <laughs> Excellent. Well, do you know what? I mean, coming into being in the pro cycling, that has, that's obviously such a, an exciting sort of first step. Uh, are you, how are you feeling about it ready for the next season? I'm excited, nervous. I'm shitting my pants, but also excited shitting my pants. So, yeah, it's like I've been kind of bobbing along, you know, doing UCI races, you know, racing for British Cycling. And then now I've kind of signed this pro contract. I'm like, OK, we're here. We're in the big time. OK, <laughs> kind of fake it till you make it. Now we've made it. OK, but no, I'm excited. And yeah, I said the other week, I was like, how many times can I say excited when people believe that I am actually really excited so yeah excited is the word of the yes, day do you know what it's, it's it's so refreshing to 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 meet someone like like yourself who is it's about competition it's about winning I'm excited and nervous but you're excited and nervous to do well and to win and be part of a team that wins rather than uh what we find with many people that actually I'm really excited and I'm a bit nervous I don't want to cock this up but actually talking to you, it's all about, I'm not going to cock it up. It's just a difference of whether I win or win a lot. You know, that's a difference, you know? Yeah, I mean, you can always mess things up, but it's whether you kind of learn from them, right? And I just, I think in my life as well, like, I'm so clumsy all the time and I'm just like, eh, it's fine. Like, you know, you can always learn from it and move on. And yeah, it's, I'm, I'm excited. There's no point in being nervous because otherwise what's the point in doing it? And so I'm just like... Yeah, I'm nervous, but, you know, channel the energy into being excited and learning and growing and making myself a better better athlete, really. We had one interview a couple of, uh, of episodes back with Richard Thode, who broke the world record cycling from Lenzen to John O'Groats on a penny farthing. Oh, no and, yeah, and Sick. he mentioned that he was 100% prepared. He knew what was coming and he felt fit. And then I think a week before, all of a sudden panicked because he was scared of actually making it. Yeah, he was, he was, what he, he suddenly re- he counted up the number of people that were helping him in his particular record. And he was like, oh my God. Because it's a one time, one off yeah, yeah. event. Uh, he, he suddenly said that he, he woke up almost paralyzed with the, the, <gasps> the expectation of other people, not for himself, but for, didn't want to let other people down because it was this one off event. Yeah, yeah you get that a lot in sports. People are like, oh my God, what's so and so going to think? You know, what's my coach going to think? My DS, my mom, my dad. And I think they can think what they want. I'm going to do what I'm going to do. And if I do it well, I do it well. If I don't, then we need to learn from it, move on and just grow from it. Because, yeah, don't. I think once you start thinking what other people think about you, you've lost half the battle. Like once you start thinking, oh, well, she can do this amount of watts, you know, for this amount of minutes. And, you know, she's way higher than me. She's way better than me. She's been doing like 25 hours a week on the bike. I've only been doing 20. And, you know, once you think that, you know, you've lost half the battle and you're already lost, like, you have to really I mean it's the kind of self-confidence thing where you really need to back yourself and yeah I do sometimes have issues with backing myself but you know you've got to go in there with confidence and just give it your best shot because that's all you can really give so yeah do you know what that is it's it's such a positive mindset do you uh, do you sort of like have you done any sort of conscious sports psychology oh yeah for sure (laughs) I don't just get this naturally (laughs) no when I was what 14 15 I was crashing out every single ski race I was doing terribly I was like mom I want to quit I hate this like I hate sport I hate the way I feel from it and my mom was like no 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 no. go and see a psychologist I think it'll really help I was like I don't need help and my mom was like no Anna this is not what sports psychology is about it's about a completely different area of life and I was like 
okay, fine. So I like trotted along to this guy called Sean Thomas. Yeah, we just worked together. And I think I went from crashing out of every single race to winning every race. It was ridiculous. And it's just this switch of mindset of care about yourself. We spoke about the headlights where your headlights can be really wide and your beams are up. And when you kind of dial them down and make them literally, it's just your path. Nobody, you know, nobody's allowed in it. And you just really channel your energy into this beam of headlights and, you know, just focus on yourself. You know, everything that goes wrong, you can learn from it. And I think it's just, yeah, the sports psychology that I learned from Sean has carried me through my cycling career and everything else. Like, even in life, oh my God, I'm going to this uni exam. Like, what happens? I'm like, I can only do my best. This is what I've, you know, I've put the work in and you just need to just go and do what you can do and it's definitely made my acceleration through the sport even faster I think because I've not had the battles of you know turning up to a race like my first race with GB I wasn't nervous I was like I'm here because they wanted me here and yeah I'm really really nervous but I've just got to do what I've got to do I've got to work for the girls and that's I've got to do my job and I've just got to do it you can't not do it so yeah no and it's just again the kind of looking at girls on the start line thinking oh my god they're so much better than me like they might be but you know they've probably got more nerves than I have so everyone's in the same boat so I definitely think the kind of sports psychology area has helped helped a lot because it's just made my mindset more reasonable and just logical and just I don't let emotions crowd me and yeah we're all, we all have emotions but I think yeah it's just made me more logical and kind of regimented with how I work and how I train and yeah it's it's definitely helped a lot it's amazing. I mean, you're coming into this sport, so you could I can really see. You know, you you'd come into this sport for, at, at 17, but you've come in as a as a mature athlete. You know, you've come in with the mindset. You've come in with uh, all these things, and as you said, that that must be a big part of carrying you through to to where you are today. The amount of my teammates that I've had to be like, look, they're like, oh my god, I'm so nervous. I can't even pedal. I'm like, you don't care what everybody else thinks of you. Don't think what somebody else you know can do better than you. You have the skill set that you have. And you just need to go out there and give it all you've got because, yeah, once you start thinking, and as well, we spoke about the kind of outcome of things. Once you start thinking about, oh, what happens when this happens or, you know, what happens at the end of the race? I'm like, you've got to get through a hundred and something kilometres in order to get there. So what are you going to do in those kilometres in order to get there? So, you know, it's kind of thinking, we spoke about the process and the process goals and, you know, you never kind of think about the outcome before it's happened. So, yeah, that these processes help the outcome occur. So don't think about... Oh, no like what am I going to do in the finish like we'll get to the finish first and then you know then the finish is the process so yeah it's a really really helped and it kind of helps as well bringing it into a team as well I think it definitely helped some of the girls on team on form and made this race a lot better I think yeah so, so good it's a really mature attitude that I uh, really appreciate I'm really immature this. like off the bike I have this kind of alter ego I'm like I'm literally a 12 year old child off the bike and then like I step on the bike and I'm like ah <laughs> adulting like yeah. i can't do this this is just like neil's in fact except for the bit where he becomes an adult yeah, when he becomes a dad yeah. oh no oh my goodness yeah no I, I really appreciated this for for sharing because this was really 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 insightful because i know a lot of people uh, struggle with this yeah like, yeah and, yeah uh, so many people it's, it's yeah. insane the top guys in the sport struggle with it and i'm just like yeah. just yeah I, I it's definitely i think i'm lucky that I have the mindset that I do and that I've worked with the people that I've worked and that, again, have the parents that I have and that everything in my life has been because I wanted to do it and it's been my choice and I think that's helped as well. But, yeah, I've, it's, it's insane how many people struggle with it and I think just there's not the help out there as well. Like, 
and unless you go out and find it i think yeah it's definitely kids struggle along and well, i mean adults struggle along with like oh no like these nerves and i think yeah and a lot of anxiety and i think yeah just having the mindset that i have is definitely yeah it's it's helped a lot and i think that more people should kind of try and read about it learn about it because it really helps in life it makes life so much easier yeah that's that's for sure yeah. that's for sure so, uh, quick question, do you want a beer, by the way? Would you want no, another I'm, drink? You're I'm right? okay, thanks. Got the pineapple juice. <laughs> Good. <laughs> yes. Awesome. You, by the way, this is brilliant. Do you know, honestly, talking about this stuff, people are going to find it, I, I mean, really interesting about the stuff, but the kind of stuff no, you're um, talking about that honestly, is going to help people Thank so you much. for letting me share because it's so, I think, yeah, people don't realise that it's out there and that you can kind of train your mind. And I think, yeah, thank you for letting me kind of speak about it <laughs> as much as I have done so far. So, yeah. The thing is, as well, honestly, myself, as a, as a, as a parent of a child that, that is, is not really bad at sport, she's all right at sport, actually the idea that actually this sports psychology helped you when you were, what, 14, did you say? Yeah, I was like, I don't need a sports psychologist. I'm exactly. a teenager. Like, it's, <clears throat> Sean worked with me and, yeah, we worked really well together. And, yeah, yeah just, I remember I think I met him in, in a Starbucks in, I think, I was at London Colney, near St Albans, and just, you know, just have a meeting every four weeks and it just, yeah. Wow. Two hours would pass, you know, like that. And it was, yeah, it was really good. Just, I think, speaking as well to somebody who wasn't my parent, because mm. my parents are great. Like, they supported, they've supported everything that I've done and they've taken me to whatever I wanted to do and just, yeah, so much support. But I think speaking to somebody outside of your family as well helps kind of somebody you don't know and but also that has the kind of profession that can then help you with whatever you need to be helped with it definitely helps uh, i'm just gonna open a bit do you want a bit do you want a bit uh, uh I, I still have mine okay. sorry i'm just nibbling on this uh one can <laughs> actually fine no but um i remember when i was a canoe like at the time uh back in germany it's obviously now roughly 20 years ago oh my goodness I'm old, I'm old. Um, you're a dad now you're old <laughs> yeah actually I am and at the time there was no such thing really as psychological support or whatsoever for, for, for athletes and I remember like when, when it came up to like an important race or so I was always doubting myself like yeah, although doubt, I've done it every yeah. day you know like you train every day three, three to four hours and you know what you're doing but at that day you you question everything. You you question like, oh maybe should I put my foot a little bit further to yeah, the left? Yeah, even to the though right, you're doing so the exact same turn exactly. that you've been making for the last t like twenty years, like it's it's insane. Exactly. Yeah, it's Anyways. insane how yeah. competitive sport can mess with you, even yeah. though you've been doing the same thing over and over and over. And I think, again, they speak about. I mean speak about that and things like tennis is if you have to train it until it becomes you know subconscious so then you can just do it when you have all these distractions but i also think that if you don't train the distractions but kind of accept the distractions and then learn how to process them i think that's definitely as well more helpful than just kind of trying to make it subconscious as well i just want to link in, into that um because so we, we know each other now since some time actually since, since you opened the banana yeah i just i just want to highlight that i, I peeled a banana for anna and without me she would maybe not be here <laughs> anyways um so would have perished on the club run and then be seen again what was so horrible it, it was, was a very cold day and then and i was trying to open a banana and I voluntarily offered to help her open the banana, but it was so cold that I actually couldn't take my hands off my handlebars myself. So I asked her, would you mind if I just open it with my mouth? <laughs> so I bit in the banana and peeled it and passed it back. I was like, wow, and she was like, uh, 
Thanks. <laughs> Who's this weird man? <laughs> no, it's fine. I get food. <laughs> it was the first day actually we met, I think. So anyhow, <laughs> it's, uh, I, I was really trying to to follow your career since then because Hannah and I were just really really proud of what you've achieved so far. Oh, but you. with everything you've said now, obviously there was like uh, the curve, right? Ex exponential. Exponential. Yes, exponential. <laughs> so there will be potentially a time where we'll go, go other way around. Are you prepared for, for that or what would you do then? I think the finishing, the need to finish the university degree is my kind of, I'm quite, I'm quite a realist. I'm like, life does happen. Injuries yeah. happen. Things happen. And while sport is what I plan to do, you know, the, there is always something that can occur. But no, what I mean, eventually retirement occurs, doesn't it? So, mm. yeah, I think I I'm finishing my degree, whether it kills me or not. I'm finishing the degree. And then I think, I don't know, I'd, yeah, I'm kind of, it, it happens. So, I mean, I'll have to come kind of, you know, adapt when it does occur. But I think, yeah, I think having the degree and, you know, having the, to show that I can study and apply myself, I think is definitely, yeah, definitely good a good thing. And I think I would definitely recommend continuing studies after school for young athletes. Might be also, like, if you look back now, the, the, when you, when you broke your leg in skiing, it might have given you like a first... Um, Gives like, you so much per like perspective exactly, on life. Exactly. Makes you step back and you're like, whoa, you know, the fact that I broke a nail last week really doesn't matter. Like, do you know what I mean? It just it like, goes on. Yeah, life, yeah. yeah it uh, kind of really gives good. you a lot of perspective and uh, yeah, makes you quite, quite yeah, realistic in things that happen. But no, I definitely, I think education is a big thing and I think that some people do let it slide and I think that, yeah, I mean you don't need to go to university per se because like not university isn't suited to everybody but i think definitely have having another skill because i think a lot of athletes do struggle after after sport their sporting life to find a job to find their niche and i think yeah i think definitely i don't know whether it's i'm gonna make something stupid up but i don't know maybe an open university or a you know an apprenticeship that doesn't obviously it doesn't want to affect your athletic career because that is what you've chosen to do but i think definitely having the backup something to fall back on is really really good and also the peace of mind i guess yeah for like, sure um yeah the only thing that's making me smile is i'm thinking uh given that you've been national skier break your leg move into cycling for rehab then become <laughs> double under 23 champion or the rest of your palmares now a, a professional cyclist if ever you do leave cycling i can feel a load of people thinking don't come into my sport please <laughs> <laughs> or should i go into next car? i've been in cycling oh, too long yeah. <laughs> or should i go into don't go into academia because you'll want to win that and complete <laughs> it as well oh no i'm not i think i've not applied enough with my mind well academically to become a master of professor i think yeah i think i'll <laughs> leave that one for oh, my brother <laughs> come on no 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 i just think if somebody ever told you that that it was competitive if it was competitive academia i think you'd just go my brother has a master's it. therefore i shall need to get a master's <laughs> exactly there you go already <laughs> through sheer principle <laughs> you mentioned a couple of times about your parents and all the support that you've had with all the sport that you do that's a lot of commitment from your parents as well i guess is that right yeah for sure i mean i was thrown in the deep end at 18 months old i was put on a pair of skates and four years old i was on a pair of skis and i was hitting tennis balls at five you know it's, it's just everything but i think the way that my parents have brought me up always doing sport being active and yeah just they've always just really supported me and it's definitely shaped me into the person that i am today and 
everything that we, my brother and I have done, it's always, well, yeah, been our choice. My parents have always guided and offered to support when it's been there, but they've never forced us into something and then we've never resented it. So I think that, yeah, just they've just been so great in kind of letting us do what we want and choose what we want to a certain extent obviously but um yeah it's just i think my mum's yeah i mentioned earlier spent thousand thousand pounds on petrol just carting my brother and i around like, our entire childhood and i mean it still doesn't stop now here we are in Wendover, my mum's brought me here so i mean it's so funny my parents will turn up at race i'm like what are you doing here they're like we just wanted a holiday right we just we came to what i mean you're we're only here because we wanted to visit the place that you're cycling, not actually to watch the race. I mean, they obviously do watch the race, but it's just, you know, just holiday and they're having a nice time. And we just happened to be here. Oh, shit. Yeah. <laughs> you're in Brittany and we're in Brittany too. Oh, my gosh. What, like, what are the chances? Yeah. Oh, wow, yeah. No, it is. It's really good. I mean, I'm so lucky to have the parents that I have because you, you always hear those horror stories and yeah. it's really unfortunate that the kids get forced into things they don't want to do or, you know, their parents trying to live their kind of successes through their children. And it's always a shame because, that kid is always talented but then they almost burn out because they've been pushed and pushed and I think my parents are just kind of they've often had to prod me can come on you need to revise come on call on but no yeah it's um they've never needed to kind of push me into sport because that's kind of been my and I definitely get my uh competitiveness from my parents <laughs> my mum will deny it till the day that she dies but I am competitive because of them. <laughs> Who's more competitive, your mum or your dad? Well, it's difficult because my dad is more outwardly competitive. But my mum, she's, everyone's like, oh my God, your mum is so great. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, she's really great. And they're like, she's so nice. I'm like, but you've never played cards against her. You've never like tried to play tennis against her. Like, it is phenomenal. Like, my mum is a different woman. <laughs> it's so funny. She sat there kind of frowning, but it is. It's so... getting some interesting looks from across the room. But I think my parents, they're both competitive in different ways. And I think they've just kind of like made me and then doubled the amount of competitiveness. I think I've, yeah, I've never. So when you do motor pacing, does Janet try to beat you on the scooter? She has the heaviest hand in the world. Yeah. <laughs> She's like, come on, we need to get this QOM. And I'm like, uh. I'm dying. <laughs> I love it. Yeah, because this was this was new to me for for the training just just hearing recently that your your mum is actually riding the moped whilst you're following along. And my coach Mark Dolan at Epic Coaching, yeah, he was like, oh, you know, I motor pace Lauren, who's his daughter, all the time. Like, I think she get a moped is really good for training. And then you always hear people like Alex Dowsett who go like four hours find them the the moped and. Uh, of course, my mum, like, someone mentions it, and she's like, yeah, go on then. <laughs> so next thing we know, we have this moped in the garden. My dad's like, what is going on? And then <laughs> next thing you know, mum's going around the block, like, trying to learn how... I mean, she rode a moped when she was younger, but she hadn't ridden one in, what, like, 20, 30 years? <laughs> Should we then go out and... I mean, we've been to Oxford and back. We've, you know, the cafe prospects behind a moped pretty decent because you can go so much further it's great so good yeah so also no, you've got uh, you've got somebody who can carry you an extra layer. oh it's great no, no so when it was you know when we had the really hot spell in the summer mum would open the pizza box at the back and there'd be iced drinks i mean can we just have that appreciation for the great training in the hot weather and how great my mum is that is we need a motor pace for our club rides uh-huh. yeah. yeah yeah i just think i i, I, I just get <laughs> get someone who's like ah not too bothered about the biking just want to be with like the friends and they're oh, that's just me. like <laughs> you agree all of us that's that's not a bad idea actually if we can find somebody to uh we'll call it motor pace but it sounds actually you get millie on the back hannah <sighs> driving the moped honestly it's uh, sort of, uh, get, maybe get you millie know that the... hannah is not driving the moped I will have to drive them all. Get Midi in the pizza box in the back and then have like your drinks in the back as well. Have the cold beers and the cold drinks. And honestly, it's a, it's a game changer. Oh, yeah. I'll tell you what, if there's cold beer on the back of a moped, I might, oh. I might actually keep up with it. You'd be going up the beacon just like, whoa, crack open a cold one. Oh, <laughs> just imagine. <laughs>
Well, that's, I mean, it, it sounds to me like, a, it, it sounds like a proper team effort from your family then. Uh, yeah, it is. I mean, yeah, my dad's great as well. Like, he's always like, oh, I don't want to go. And then when he gets there, he is, he gets so into it. He's like, go on, team on par, like screaming. And I was like, who is this really now, man? But <laughs> no, yeah, my dad gets so into it. He's just our number one, number one cheerleader. So it's, yeah, they're really great. <laughs> I love it. One minute, you're on a ride. With Neil's opening a banana for you on a on a cold day, and you're just getting into cycling. Now you're in Team Sunweb. There's quite a lot between that ride and getting in Team Sunweb. I'm sure lots of people would be really interested. In what's that kind of journey look like, even if it was a relatively short time? It starts off where my mum walks into Lavello Cycle Works in Berkhamsted and says, "Can I have a track bike? My daughter wants one for Christmas." And Mark Harris goes, "Oh well, we'll give you Cosparis on the bike if you race for us." And I was like, "Well, I'm done." Don't, don't know what a bike race is. So then I started kind of riding with the guys at Lavello, and then that's when Neil famously opened the banana and I hated every single minute of that day, vowed never to ride a bike. Not that, not not that single moment. That was the highlight of my day. Yeah. No, no, that was the highlight of my day. And then, yeah, just Nick Clark, he's also, he now writes for Arctic Tax, does all the 24-hour, 12-hour stuff. And uh, yeah, I was like, oh, do this race, do this race. And then I remember I entered this junior race and my mum and I went there giggling, being like, oh, all these girls are so, so amazing. They're so clued up. They've been cycling for so long. Like, we're just going to go and, you know, have a bit of fun and ended up coming third and my mum and I went home we were like what <laughs> what just happened <laughs> and then and I punctured it as well in that race and I thought hold on so I punctured managed to win the QOM competition and come third ah maybe I've got something here so I kind of finished this season did, did the national hill climb cheeky plug national junior hill climb champion me yeah, and then Simon House contacted me and said, hey, I'm starting this new team, Team on Form. Do you want to join? And I thought, well, I'm still going back to skiing. This is um, October 2016. And I thought, no, no, I'm still going back to skiing, still going skiing. And then I thought, hold on, no, I'll join Team on Form. So I did that, and then Simon took me under his wing. And yeah, I basically did some national series and kind of grew as a bike rider. And Simon lives five minutes down the road from me. And, and yeah, I'm basically the rider I am today because Simon took me on and kind of developed me as a rider. And yeah, and then started working with Mark Dolan at Epic Coaching and he as well. We started in 2017, in October. And yeah, it just took off and kind of really developed myself as a rider and a racer. And it's just been pretty phenomenal the way it's gone. And yeah, certainly the sponsors of the team, you know, brother, Tafosi, everybody, I mean, brother, do so much for women's cycling it's it's pretty mind-boggling but oh they do it in the men's side as well i mean they sponsor everything and they're everywhere and yeah i think without the support of them we you know we wouldn't have really had a team and it's, it's been pretty epic i mean it's bittersweet to move on but i think more sweet i think simon's done everything he can do for me and he's he's probably going to kick me for saying this but i think he might be proud of me for moving on so yeah it's uh yeah it's cool and i think you know that's what the team's there for i mean they you look at all the girls that have joined the team this year i mean they're you know phenomenal riders and i think it's a really really good place to be and a really good place to develop riders and uh, hopefully more girls move on where i've gone well i think i think it's great when you've got somebody i mean someone like simon uh, when we interviewed him it was fascinating. He's obviously a fantastic talent scout and he knows how to help people and bring people on. And I, I know he would have been proud to see you to move on to a, the team that you've moved on to and into, into pro cycling. I know that he's proud because you remember <laughs> when we had him here, and yeah, so hold that one. <laughs> yeah, so basically we were asking him, like, how does it feel when a rider moves on? And he said, like, it's pretty much cutthroat. But as long as they move on to a better team, I'm really, really happy. Simon does so much for women's cycling and just to have somebody like that in the sport that then cares about the riders and cares about the races. And as well, you get to a race and 
he has so much to say and how to race it and he's raced them all like Lincoln GP would turn up every year and he'd do this kind of speech it's so funny he's like right this is where the race starts blah 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 and it's you know it kind of gives you chills because you're like oh my god okay this guy really really cares and you know you really want to do the team justice and show everybody what the team can do and what his team can do and I think I think we've really showed that after over the last few years I think the girls have really stepped up and we've yeah we've all put in a good shift to kind of get the team where they are today and I mean yeah they're going UCI so that's it's gone from you know a small kind of national women's elite team to now being a UCI team it's I think um yeah it's really cool to see how it's progressed so good I really like Simon he uh, has definitely his heart at the right spot when you meet him for the first time you think like oh he looks a bit grumpy like that was my impression <laughs> I was first. terrified of him for the first six months <laughs> I knew him <laughs> but he's so nice he's generally nice and I remember there was a video done by I think Kelvin Chung was it the national oh the national it's a great video wasn't yeah, it I thought so it was really, good really I loved good. it I loved it's it. a really good insight to kind of how how our team works and yeah just the kind of yeah. general atmosphere and the really good environment that it was and yeah I thought it was a really cool video so, so good like, so yeah if you if you want to see that I think it is um, shared on the team on form page yeah, somewhere so, yeah. maybe also on Kelvin Chung's Instagram account or so um, it's Calvino uh, <laughs> so many O's yeah exactly but he's definitely like, w- worth following and this is one bit I think where you I need a Jill and he's like no you don't oh it's because basically I was too late <laughs> so it's really bizarre that at Nationals they didn't have like 10 kilometers ago, five kilometers ago. Yeah. So I thought, can I have a gel? I don't know how long's left. Like, because neutralized, it kind of changed a little bit. And I knew how long the race was roughly, but we didn't have kind of markers because, yeah. you know, the race routes aren't always accurate. And uh, he was like, no, you can't have one. <laughs> Whatever you've got there, that's all you're having. And I was like, okay, I'm in, I'm in it then. <laughs> on my own. I loved it. But no, even when he came up beside me and like, he didn't even say much. He just, you know, the, he just, you know, he just gave me the nod and, you know you just know and yeah it really gave me the confidence to kind of yeah get the result that i wanted at a national so it's really good about like coaching can you keep your own coach or will you be given a coach or how does that work so somewhere we're quite centralized in how they work because they're very organized and very professional they want everything to kind of be under their kind of wing i now have a coach at team sunweb who uh coaches a lot of the women it's sad that i have to move away from mark because i started with him and i was just getting around a national series i mean i might get a top 15 if i was lucky to then winning them and then moving on to then winning nationals and getting a world champs medal on i've grown so much with mark and yeah he's worked so well with me it was it was quite sweet to leave him but you know it's like moving on from a football team. It's like moving on from team on form. You know, things change and got this new coach. And uh, yeah, hopefully I should work work well with him. And now now a team's on web coach. And that was Mark Dolan. Yes. Is epic he coaching. then father to Lauren Dolan? Yes, my teammate in the TTT. So oh, Epic Coaching had two two world champs medalists at okay. Yorkshire. Wait, maybe more? No. no. Yeah, just two. Just two. <laughs> <laughs> Well, he's, he definitely knows what he's doing then. Yeah, no, he definitely does. And have it, he's really good with, yeah, just young athletes. And I mean, I'm, I don't actually know who he, everybody coaches, but no, he's just really good and really adaptive and knows his stuff. And yeah, you'll be in a whole training and you'll be like, oh God, I'm never going to, you know, I'm so tired, I'm so tired. And then, you know, he really adapts if you're too tired and then, and then suddenly you'll be flying and you'll reach a race and you'll be like, wait, how did this happen? But yeah, he's just really, really good at kind of managing the fatigue and managing how your form when you want to have it. Anna, we couldn't have you coming on the podcast without talking about a very special day in Yorkshire that happened this year yes 
do you want just the just team tell time us trial, yeah. the team time trial one of the coolest days of my life it was outrageous i mean we went in there as underdogs i mean we'd prepared done course recce after course recce looked at the classic dan bigham graph after graph and i was completely overwhelmed with graphs but you know we looked at pacing strategies and everything we were so well prepared for it and yeah we were underdogs and we saw everybody lining up the dutch teams the italian teams the germans we thought oh my god they have all these, all these world tour riders and we had a few of us were in uci teams and that was about it and yeah we kind of went out there executed it and just did the best ride of our lives and ended up with a bronze medal and i just think because we were such underdogs and that don't know whether british cycling kind of like we were just kind of there as a test team to see how it ran and um, it was the first time they'd been at the worlds and everyone was like oh how is this gonna work and i think yeah everyone was a bit on edge about it and yeah i mean to come out with the medal i think yeah it was pretty pretty cool like you know we stood up on the podium and there was this sea of people and i thought hold on they've come to see us they've come to see us and, oh, just i looked down and i saw my mom and she just had this smart and i don't think it could, i nearly reached her ears and i just thought oh this is oh best day of my life like <laughs> oh. oh it's just so cool and i have the medal like hung up in my room now i wake up every morning i'm like oh it's raining on train is cold and i'm like look at the medal that is what you got from you know doing all the hard work and putting the effort in so yeah it's definitely there for the motivation and to hopefully get a different color at some point well it's uh certainly i was going to say it's certainly good to be your first one i've uh, no doubt there's going to be more but something i i noticed because i was watching the watching it on tv you guys were in the hot seat for a little while weren't you um they'd set us off quite early and that was quite lucky because the weather actually d- deteriorated a little bit yeah we sat there for asian age you know we had the the alan murchison tupperwares out and it was great and it was it was we were all loving it and uh but unfortunately when we found out that we were having a medal i was in doping control i was and the whole team were on stage with the cameras on them like yeah we got a medal at the worlds and i was sat on my own in a hut waiting to pee in a pot going i've got a medal and everyone just thinking who is this crazy woman <laughs> <laughs> and just Yorkshire as well like they went mad for it Harrogate put on such a good show and everybody turned up I mean unfortunately it rained quite a lot so the fans turned turned into a bit of a, a mud patch but when I first turned up the weather was epic and I thought hold on are we at Worlds or are we at a festival like it was so cool and just the whole place the whole town was amazing and oh just it was what how long is it two months ago and i'm still getting chills yeah i'm in a furry jumper overheating i'm still getting goosebumps i have to say this 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 event um the team time trial i really really enjoyed it i I was one of the people that was actually a bit skeptical yeah a lot of people were quite skeptical i think a lot of the guys in the trade team so um they thought no no but we like racing as a trade team we get to be world champion together and it's it's cool and everyone's like no it's gonna be a rubbish event and we don't know how it's gonna work and admittedly i think nobody really knew how it was gonna work it was kind of yeah and i think just kind of having the boys come in and it all kind of be a bit oh are they gonna do it they're not gonna do it and just yeah it was i think it was quite nail biting and quite exciting definitely especially then with italy going i think they were going last yeah like their strongest rider punch and it was like oh my goodness they they, they got this and that was that was really good so sorry what did you eat out of the tupperware because i think this was a very I just dis- discussed uh, I had yeah. Yorkshire rice. pudding. No, <laughs> fortunately, I had chicken nuggets after the race on Saturday. <laughs> Twenty. <laughs> um, no, we had the Alan Murchison Tupperware. He's a uh, British cycling chef, amazing, amazing chef. Um, I think we had the rice and the chicken and the pesto from what I can remember. I think I was so hungry and so cold, I just wolfed it. <laughs> <down>. <laughs> so it nice. was. Uh, it, watching it live, what was amazing was he had you in the hot seat, and every time they kept flicking back, you seemed to be eating. 
And then when when the took me a while to eat that chicken. I, I do say, remember. I I don't know why. I think I was so like fixated on the screen. I thought, oh oh, I need to eat. I am racing again this week. I need to recover. <laughs> well, I think sometimes with the video editing, sometimes they just put in bits. But it just seemed to be like you were eating for ages. And then of course when it got to a, a little bit later and you weren't there, you obviously we now know you were peeing in a hut. It did. It I did. didn't. The worst thing about it, I didn't even pee then. They were like, no, come back later. <gasps> I was like, oh. Just stole my moment of stole glory. Stole my moment. I, I like, ran on the stage and everyone was sat down. And I was like, woo, guys, can we celebrate again? <laughs> the thing is, because it looked like you'd been eating and then suddenly you weren't there, we were expect. I just thought there was like there was like a like a burger van around the back and there's a big queue. Come for round two. Yeah, you're just like, I've gone for some chips. She's gone. <laughs> no, I was so, I think, I've never experienced a feeling like it. When I've, you know, I've been preaching about this you know psychological control and you know how i'm so leveled and i was not level-headed in that hot seat i was i had the, i mean it was, it was like 10 degrees that day it was cold and i was i had the sweatiest hands and i was so nervous i think that's why it seemed like i was eating so long. i was eating like a grain of rice at the time because i was so nervous eating like oh no it's really good to watch the women train together the men train together but at this event they have to ride together it's it really nice because the women and the men, yeah, we have some of the same races every year. You know, you have the, the Flanders and the the Amstel Golds and stuff that are together. But then often, it, you know, we then just go on two completely different paths. And it's really nice to kind of get some of their insight. You know, they, they look at lines around corners differently. You know, they look at pace strategies differently. And it's really nice and exciting to get information from them and then us get give information to them and they just have the aerodynamic insights and just things i wouldn't even think of you know dan was like no you need to use these wheels because for you they're faster and i was like okay like do you know what i mean it was just all that we had so much knowledge and i think that really helped and the guys the guys and the coaches invested so much time and everybody it was just a real team effort i think that's what made it even more special was that you know we'd all come together and you know we'd looked at every single turn i think i think before that i think i'd ridden the course about 15 times i'd been around that and by the time the road race came around i had ridden it well over 20 times and i th- went during the road race i was like oh um there's a there's a crack in the road just to your left like it's just, we just knew it inside out and i think our preparation really really helped and really paid dividend to our result because i think there was rumors going around that viviani had ridden the course that morning and you know i mean he's a phenomenal rider but i mean we beat them you know, it was just the preparation. Yeah, where well, we may not have had the watts and the experience, we had the preparation and the, yeah, and we were just so, so prepared. And yeah, it was really, really fun. And to be so prepared and know you're that prepared, you can then just go and just turn the pedals. Yeah. So, Mike, what do we say? If you fail to prepare, you prepare to fail. Yes. Yeah. Mm. yes. Oh, yeah. <laughs> this, was, this was our uh, own discussion between us as we were desperately punching the buttons to get the machine to work again <laughs> nice. just before you arrived yeah, yeah absolutely so prepare well thank you so much it was really really interesting because mike and i wake from the telly to follow your racing uh now having you here giving us the, all the insight that we didn't know at the time is really 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 mind-boggling thank you oh, so no, much thank for you that. for having yeah, me it's you. been really really good to be able to share my well the knowledge that i have little knowledge that i have yeah on, the, on a good platform so thanks for having me not at all. Thank you. And I know that uh, I'll say a thank you as well on behalf of our listeners because the the insights you've given, the knowledge and the passion and just tips on psychological approach, insights into the world, just absolutely fascinating. So thank you very much. Oh. If people want to get in touch with you and continue to follow you, how do they get in touch or how do they follow you? Where can they go? And my Instagram handle is Anna Henderson with two or three underscores. It, um, I mean... We've all tried to work Put a out, review in to see which <laughs> what it is. And then, yeah, my Twitter is Anna Henderson XO. So, yeah. 
It's, de it's definitely not one underscore, and it's most not likely not four. So it's two or three. So it's either two or three. Yeah. Find the girl that's staring into the distance in the profile picture. That's me. At the World Champs. Yeah. <laughs> indeed. Indeed. Great. Well, look, Anna, thank you so much. It's now time for us to uh, carry on. If you out there want to get in touch with us, send us an email to podcast at velocino.com or follow us on Instagram on Velocino or on Twitter, Velocino PDCST. And yeah, leave us a review on Apple. Thanks very much. Well, that's it for this week. Just for us to tell everybody to get on your bikes because the best stories have not yet been written and follow the continuing story of Anna Henderson. Dun -dun. Dun -dun. That's it. <laughs>